Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. Have you ever been in the dentist chair? Maybe the bright light was shining in your face. Your mouth was open while you were still trying to breathe and swallow. And then you heard his little drill tool coming closer, and you think, why am I here? (laughs) I'm sure that's happened to a lot of us, and it's a vulnerable place to be. But you went because you were courageous. Brene Brown, a research professor who has spent the past two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy, defines courage this way. Courage is a heart word. The root of the word courage is core, the Latin word for heart. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. She continues to say, it's showing up, being seen, putting yourself out there, even when you don't know what the outcome's going to be. Just like me right now. (laughs) From hearing this, I've learned Courage is essentially vulnerability. In the earlier translations of the Bible, be courageous was written as take heart. For example, Psalm 27 verse 14a says, let your hope be in the Lord, take heart and be strong. Or Joshua 1 verse 9 says, take heart and be strong, have no fear and do not be troubled, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Courage is not the perfect armor, the perfect weaponry, or the most geared-up soldier. Courage is the vulnerability of showing up even when you're afraid. When I was in grade one, my school did a play on the Earth's creation. And I remember being so scared and shy to go up in front of all the parents and act as a bird because I had to jump from a stool, this is about that high, like I was flying. I remember one of the teachers said she would hold my hand on the night while I jumped from the stool to the ground. In the end, I remember it being a fun experience. I actually enjoyed the play and was quite proud of myself that I got up there and tried, even if I'd needed a little help. I also remember just being glad at the end that I didn't have to play Eve, who wore a costume made of just a few leaves. As I share the next two points on what I've been learning on how we can be brave and courageous, I hope that you're encouraged and feel like you're enough and capable of courage. Firstly, I've learned that my vulnerability is my strength. In the Bible, Isaiah 40 verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And that is why, for Christ's sake... I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10. These verses explain that when we let ourselves be vulnerable, we give God space to step into our situation. We can take joy in this. We were made to depend on Jesus. He knows that we are better When we depend on him. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 from the Bible says, 
But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Secondly, I am learning, it is essential to know my limitations, but focus on my strengths. Joyce Meyer, author and speaker, encourages us when she writes, You and I can be aware of our circumstances, and yet purposely keep our mind on something that will build us up and edify our faith. From reading this, I've learned, when we focus on our strengths and what God has put in us, we prevent doubt and unbelief from overwhelming our mind. There's always something we can do and something we can't, but there's always something God will do in our situation. When we know our limitations, we allow space for God to meet our needs and give us his power because we've acknowledged we need it. You may know the story of David and Goliath. David was a young shepherd boy who attempted to fight a mighty warrior and giant called Goliath. In this scenario, David knew his limitations before he fought Goliath. He was young, small, couldn't wear the armor, and had no formal training. And it could have given him every reason to give in to fear of fighting the giant. Instead, David focused on what he could do, and with faith that God would be with him, he showed up in the arena to defeat Goliath. In the Bible, Proverbs 3 verse 26 says, For the Lord shall be your confidence, firm and strong. For most of my life, I have had the perspective that when I'm strong enough, or when I'm not afraid anymore, or when I'm fixed, I'll pursue that thing. For the last few weeks, while preparing this, I've gone through a roller coaster of emotions I've never dealt with before. I've been anxious, terrified, horrified, melancholic. I've been taking rescue remedy for two weeks in <laughs> anticipation of this morning. But God has been challenging me. And so today, I chose to show up in this arena to base... <laughs> To face my own Goliath <laughs> and real, realize that courage. <laughs> courage is not in being perfect or <laughs> having it all together, but simply doing it afraid. <laughs> <laughs> that is how I understand courage to do it afraid. Put your hand up if you ever snapped at a loved one because you lost the ability to connect with each other in a moment. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 3, it is written, Trust your God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him always, and you'll make your path straight. Sat down with my dad over dinner, and he shared a story with me about how elephants behaved when it was time for them to pass. 
he watched a National Geographic's documentary that day, and he explained that when an elephant comes to the end of its journey, it removes itself from the herd and passes away in solitude. I pushed the conversation aside because my dad was terminally ill. The story was so close to his heart, and at the time, I didn't know that this documentary resonated with him, and I didn't see he was trying to show me that he was the elephant. He was an artist and loved to capture wildlife in his work, so he committed the next couple of days to do the sketch. A year later, my dad was fortunate enough to receive a lung transplant, came home with a new set of lungs. Things were on the up and up, so I checked out for a moment to experience some time with close friends in the bush. My dad and I were very close and we walked a long journey together. It is only in the past few years and more recently in the last 12 months that I've learned the value of friendship, relationships, and the need to let people in. I feel like God is showing me that he needs me to let him do work in my life through the relationships I keep for me to grow closer to him. I've always had a deep desire to connect with people, however, often involves a trust that I'm not always capable of. In the words of Dr. Henry Cloud in The Power of the Other, this describes me and what I'm going through. For what reasons life has taught you that you must do things on your own? In very practical ways, you do not allow yourself to need anyone. And although you care about others and it's easy for you to help them, it's difficult for you to allow them to help you, especially emotionally. This is what I've been struggling with, but God has shown me in so many ways that if I keep moving forward and I hold on to a trust that his hand is over my life and our lives, then he is for us and not against us. God reminds me every day to be vulnerable in my ways, and even though I don't exactly know what lies ahead, I can trust that God is with me. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. I'm constantly fighting with myself, looking back at all the moments I've missed out on, especially the opportunities I missed with my dad because I was distracted by something I felt was more important. Things can get rough out there, and we are challenged to be present. I've learned through relationships to forgive myself for not always understanding where God needs me to be present. Those moments he creates for me to connect, but I miss them because I'm focused on something else. Often we hold on to those moments where we let ourselves down, but God wants us to lean on each other to succeed. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 17, it is written, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I look back to this moment where my dad was reaching out to me to watch this documentary with him, but the elephant but I was too busy to connect, not realizing how significant it was to him or what was going through his mind at the time. So I journeyed through life, and I've learned it's important for me to have people around to encourage me. I was in the bush on a game drive enjoying the most incredible encounter with a stray elephant. Shortly after this, I received a phone call from my uncle to say that my dad was admitted to theater and he wasn't going to make it out. We turned the game view around and tried to get back to camp and make our way home, but as we did, the axle on the game view collapsed. I felt hopeless and lost. But my girlfriend, Michaela, encouraged me to lean not on my own understanding, but rather keep my eyes open to what God can make of this. Thomas Moore writes in The Dark Souls of the Night, go with developments rather than against them. If you feel lost, be lost in ways that suit you and make you feel like a participant in your life. If you feel empty, empty your life where it needs to be. If you feel sad, let sadness be your dominant feeling. Being in tune with your deep mood is a way of clarifying yourself and speak for it, show it, and honor it. Experiencing this encounter with the elephant was God telling me that he was closer to my dad than I could have ever hoped to be. And he is closer to us than we can ever know. It's okay not to know. When our hearts are troubled and we do have, don't have the answers, we can pray to Jesus. 
reach out to those who are close to us, and he can do work in our lives and move us forward through the relationships we keep. The other day, I walked into Afrikaans, walked over to my desk, took my chair off my table, and confidently began to sit down, only to realize halfway that my chair wasn't there anymore, and I was already too low to do anything but plummet to the floor. <laughs> and this isn't the first time my friends pulled the chair away from me. See, I had so much faith in the chair that I'd not question its ability to be there or the fact that it could hold my weight. From the day, I always hold my chair down because I have lost faith in the chair. See, me having a bad experience with the chair has questioned, its, has questioned its ability and its presence. This scenario could be compared to our faith with God. We all go through dark times. We all go through situations where we question God's presence or his plan. I personally have struggled with such. But I'm here to tell you, it's okay to question God. It's okay to be scared. But through it all, we are never alone. Isaiah 41 verse 10 states, So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I, for I am your righteous God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. This verse shows us that he is with us through thick and thin, and he will not any, let any darkness into our life, because he is the light. He will be our pillar of strength when everything feels it, as if it is collapsing, and more importantly, he will help you. You see, God's plan, God's plan isn't a one-way plan. God's plan is like an obstacle course. There's different rounds. Each round you collect knowledge and tools to better you or better another person until you reach your purpose in life. See, in 2016, I was lucky enough to attend a leadership enrichment tour to Europe. We landed in Dubai only to find out that our plane might be delayed for two hours. I sat there and prayed for me to please leave earlier, but then, started, then I got annoyed due to the fact that my plane was still still delayed, but I then lost faith in God. But see, then only to realize later on that my plan, that, the, that my plane was delayed due to a lightning storm. See, God has his ways. Ronald Dunn states in his book, Don't Just Sit There and Have Faith, that the delays are much part of God's purpose as are the fulfillments. In fact, the delays will usually prove greater blessings than fulfillments. The full story as to why God delayed his answers is buried in his infinite wisdom. Ronald Dunn also gives us three possible reasons as to why God delays our requests. Number one, sometimes God, God waits until we are spiritually mature to handle the blessings we are seeking. Think about it. If a 10-year-old wants a car, you aren't going to buy him the car because you don't have the skill to drive that car. You're going to wait for him to grow up and get his license, and then you buy the car. That is why, that's what God does to us. He waits until we are spiritually mature to have acquired the skills to answer the prayer. Number two, God may test the sincerity of our desire by withholding the object of a request. This is basically self-explanatory. We always tend to ask for things we don't need and don't serve any purpose in our life. God will delay our request to see if we really need it or not. Number three, God may test the sincerity of our character. Remember that Remember that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing, James 1 to 3 states, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect worth. 
that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. This will draw us closer to God and seek Him earnestly. This will grow our relationship with God. There are many ways which we can grow our faith. There's three main ways. Read the word. Romans 10 verse 17 states, So the faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Rebecca Barlow Jordan says, Hearing the word is like growing a garden. You must first plant the seed before you can watch the plant grow. Number two, heed the word. We need to take notice of what is happening. We need to see the word in everyday life. James 1 verse 22 to 24 says, But the doers of the word, and not the hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. We have to practice what we preach and try to live by the word. Number three, test the word. We should prove that God is faithful to his word. Malachi 3 verse 9 to 11 reads, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be room enough to store it in. <laughs> test the God's word as he will test your faith. Have faith in God's plan as everything you go through will mold you into the person you need to be to fight through it. God will put you in tough situations to get you away from the enemy, to protect you. You need to have faith in God as he has faith in you. In conclusion, I want to end with one of my favorite quotes by an unknown author. You might be wondering why God is taking, taking me through troubled waters, but he replies, your enemies can't swim. By a show of hands, who here has something that when they see it, hear it, maybe even smell it, it takes you to a place in your past that you don't want to be? Yeah, yeah, that's me. See, that for me was my childhood bicycle. I remember I was riding around my neighborhood, um, cycling with my friends, and it was a Wednesday night, and I'd come home very late. Like, it's a Wednesday night school tomorrow. I'd come home very late. I had got the hiding of my life. Every time I simply think of cycling, I remember that night that I got this hiding. Which brings me to what I'd love to share about and what I'm struggling with in my journey. And that is bringing, breaking the power of the past. With three points I'd love to share that I've learned. Number one, in Christ I am completely forgiven. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. You see, what God is trying to tell me is that the old, everything that I thought was part of me that I'm bringing into my future, it's now old, it's gone, it's, I am a new person, and the new is here. It's not tomorrow, it's here. Three years ago, um, when I decided to fully commit to joining a new church, um, I had to break that news to my parents. Um, they never took it very well. Um, especially my dad. Since that dad always felt like I'd wronged him. Um, last year, while battling cancer, I visited my dad in hospital, and we got to talking, in which he brought this topic up, and he actually asked me for forgiveness. You see, in that vulnerability and surrender, my dad actually made me feel forgiven. I had held onto this burden for two years. My father passed away a week later. You see, we both forgot that Jesus was, had suffered and died on the cross so that we may be forgiven. Number two, in Christ I am valuable. 
Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. I had a huge problem with where I found my self-value. I'm a middle child, and my older brother is a very academically, academically inclined guy, right? So there was no way of me competing with that. So I found my value in the sport I played. And when I didn't perform or I didn't impress anyone, um, I felt worthless. I felt like I was always falling short. I plainly felt like I'm a mess. But Perry Noble, a great American preacher and author, he spoke directly into this insecurity when he said, the value of your life is not determined by the mess you've made, but the price that Jesus paid. <laughs> Number three. In Christ, I am unconditionally loved. Romans 8 verse 39 says, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Growing up, I was very naughty. Um, I'd, so I'd gotten in trouble at school one time. I was, I was, a, I was a small boy. This is one time that I remember... Um, and being terrified of my dad, I didn't tell him that I got in trouble. Um, weeks gone on, and, and like I continued lying, and it got to the point where I couldn't lie anymore. And my dad came into my room to confront me about it, and he was livid. He was angry, and he wanted to discipline me. Um, and I probably needed that, like a hiding, but I'll tell you what he didn't do. He didn't hit me that day. He didn't scream at me or anything, he saw the worry and the overwhelming in my face that he simply said, Avrin, relax, I'm on your side, and he walked out the room. See, I needed that moment to, to know that the mess that I've made, I wasn't being judged on that. I, was, I, I needed to know that I was loved, and that in itself was a form of discipline. Now, God is showing that to us through the sacrifice that he sent Jesus to this world to die on the cross for us. You see, here's the thing. Each ball in this, in this tube over here represents everything that I held on in my past. And I've learned that in Christ, if you've noticed all my, all my points, I said in Christ, in Christ. But to be in Christ, I need to allow Christ in. Right? And once I start continue allowing Christ in and just listen to his word and uh, surrounding myself with people that, you know, that is one with God and will speak life into my I, I start this insecurities and things in my past that defined me, that brought me to, to who I am, starts coming out of my life. And, and I just keep going, I keep going. And when I reach that point of, I think, oh no, God is not doing anything, I just continue pouring. No, in everything, He works for the good. He is there for me. He will continue to burn. You see... You see, I had to learn that I needed to step out of my history to step into my destiny.